Spiritually Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 89 features the head coach of the University of Indiana, Tom Allen. Coach Allen shares with us the strategies he uses to help build and turn around a program, as well as instill and build leaders who uphold and carry on the program standard. Coach will also talk to us about his LEO mantra and how that was a galvanizing force in turning around the Hoosier football program. Season 4, Episode 11 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Tom Allen starts now. Well, we're joined here humbly today uh, by the the University of Indiana head coach, Tom Allen. Coach, uh, can you please introduce yourself to our audience and then just kind of share your background in in coaching and in football? Well, I'd be glad to. Yeah, my name's Tom Allen, head coach here at Indiana. Uh, From the state of Indiana, born and raised here. My dad was my high school coach in this state. So it's really special for me to be in this role at this place and, and to represent all the Indiana high school coaches. I was a 10-year high school coach in Indiana. Actually, before that, I started my high school coaching career in the state of Florida. So 15 total years of high school football as a coach. And uh, but just had a dream of wanting to coach in, in college one day. And so uh, made that move uh, many years ago. It was actually 2006 was my last high school season at Ben Davis High School. Uh, ben Davis is one of the largest high schools in the country, biggest one in Indiana. And I was blessed to be able to have some great opportunities there. I was there nine years, six as a DC, three as a head coach, legendary head coach, Dick Dollahan's the one who hired me there. And we won multiple state championships together. So just a really neat opportunity. How about this? So every coach I've worked for in college, I met when I was at Ben Davis uh, because everybody came through to recruit. And that was just kind of a common theme there. And, and it was a great opportunity. And, and it's, a, you know, the school's about 4,500 students, nine through 12. So it was just a master program, 200 players from, from 9 through 12 in our program. And you're over everything from kindergarten all the way up through. It had all the youth league, the middle schools, all that stuff. So it really trained me, I felt like, to be a, a head coach in college as well, even though I didn't even know if I'd ever be a head coach again when I got to college. So, but I, I had, this, had this dream. You know, really, when I left Ben Davis, I always said, I want to coach. I want to be a DC in the Big Ten. That, that was my goal. And so I sent out all these letters to coaches and and uh, uh, that I knew in the Big Ten and, and the MAC and different coaches all came through to recruit the SEC, different places. And but nobody had any opportunities. There was a lot of, you know, hey, wish you wish you well, you know, doing that can do to help, but uh, no job. And so out of nowhere, Chris Creighton called. He was a head coach at Wabash College at the time, and he had a secondary position open and special teams coordinator. So I interviewed for that, got that job, and that's what got my foot in the door collegiately. Started at the Division three level for one season, then went to NAI at Lambeth University for two years as a defense coordinator, then to Drake University in Iowa for one season as a defensive coordinator. And then uh, and, and actually Chris Creighton, who hired me at Wabash, was the head coach at Drake at that time. And so he's now at Eastern Michigan as the head coach. And so I went from Drake to Arkansas State uh, with the same person that hired me at Lambeth. And then we won there and then had a chance to go to the, to the SEC, uh, to Ole Miss. And I was linebacker's coach there, special teams coordinator. And, and then wanted to be a DC again, left there, went to University of South Florida for one season to be the DC under Willie Taggart and had a great season that year there and then got the DC's job at Indiana in 2016. So that's kind of a really, really quick way of giving our, uh, our history. But how about this? So when we made a jump to college, we lived in seven states in 10 years. So I got an amazing wife and uh, it took a lot of sacrifice for our children, for her, for all of us. And uh, to go out, to leave a place like Ben Davis, to go to the D3 level uh, was a pretty major pay cut. 
but uh, and the Lord took care of us, and we just persevered and just kept staying the course and and just kept chipping away, and, and then eventually got a chance to to come to the Big Ten, 2016. Ten years later, uh, come back home to Indiana, and uh, Kevin Wilson hired me as a D coordinator. So that's how I got to Indiana, and then a year later, I was named head coach. So pretty uh, pretty awesome journey we've been on for sure. Coach, your rise in the uh, coaching profession is quite remarkable. Uh, when you took over at Indiana, the program had experienced, you know, varying degrees of success and, and were in a period of transition as you moved from the defensive coordinator role to the head coaching role. Walk us through your mindset in those first few days of taking over the program and how you plan to implement your vision for turning around the Hoosiers. Well, it was, it was a crazy time. You know, we, uh, if I think back to that, uh, that week, you know, we played Purdue to finish out the season. We actually beat them to, to win the Oakland Bucket, which is a huge rivalry game here. In, in our state. And, uh, but uh, several days later, I was out recruiting, you know, and just like all the rest of our staff was, and, and the school decided to make a change. And so I go from one day being on the road recruiting to call back home and announce as the head coach the very next day. And so um, addressed the team, you know, and it, it was, it was a unique time. And, and there was, uh, you know, there was, it, w- it wasn't expected in a lot of ways. I, w- I definitely didn't expect it. And so, but, but I stood before that team, before our team on that day. Um, and, and it was, it was a hurting group, you know, it was, a, it was a tough day. It was a hard thing and a lot of different mixed emotions about different things. And so, uh, but I, I was a part of that team and as a defensive coordinator and uh, um, uh, associate head coach at that time for defense. And so, but what we did was, and the way I approached it was this, I told the fellows, I said, you know what guys, I mean, we're all in this together. And we had just, just qualified for a bowl game. We didn't know where we were going to be playing yet uh, when I had that team meeting with the guys. And I actually left that team meeting and went right with our AD to the press conference to be introduced as the new head coach of Indiana. And all I told him was this. I said, you know, we, we're all in this together, guys, and we, we know we're going to be playing in a bowl game. And here's our goal. We had one goal. That was to finish what this team had started at the beginning of the year. Didn't make any changes with the coaches other than – uh, promoted one off the field guy to be an on the field coach on offense. I stayed in the role as DC. Uh, our office coordinator called the plays. Nothing changed, and we just got ready to go go win our bowl game. And that was the emphasis. And then just start recruiting with the staff. So it was a unique transition. So my very first game as head coach of Indiana was was the Foster Farmers Bowl out in uh, California, there in San Francisco against Utah, who was a really really good football team, ranked 17th in the country. So. Um, very unique transition. I tell you what, I'm going to share this though, because I thought this was pretty awesome. So one of our receivers in that meeting, he was a senior, been there the whole time, was recruited by Coach Wilson and that staff, and, and they all recruited those guys. I hadn't recruited hardly any of those guys because I got hired, you know, after, you know, right before signing day the year before. And so uh, the whole office of guys, you know, and our offense had been really good the last several years. Defense had struggled, which is why I had the opportunity to come to D.C. and create some change. And so one of our receivers stood up in that meeting and he said, you know, it's, it's a tough day for everybody and we're hurting and, and uh, um, we're, we hate to see Coach Wilson go. He said, but he, he said, if there's anybody that I want to lead this team besides, you know, the, the current situation, it's going to be Coach Allen. And the whole group just, you know, started cheering. And it kind of like it, it took somebody from the other side of the ball because I had really connected with the defensive guys and there's no question. And we had been we were the most improved defense in the country that season. So there's a lot of positive things for our defense for sure, but I hadn't had a lot of contact, you know, one-on-one face-to-face contact with the offensive players as the new DC. So, but having one of the offensive guys stand up and just say, hey man, we, 
we, we we're, we're embracing Coach Allen. We're excited about Coach Allen. We're going, you know, just all do this together. It just kind of kind of broke the ice in some ways, and it kind of just began the the new you know era of uh, trying to create you know some new traditions and new opportunities for Indiana football. Because as you mentioned, we've had some some tough times in the past. I haven't had a lot of wins in the last 25 years when I took over here, and so we've had to try to create that change from the very beginning. Now, Coach, for anybody who's really kind of paid attention to your program, whether it be just, you know, viewing on the on Saturdays or potentially following you guys on, on social media, they see LEO about your program, which stands for love each other, which is the mantra that you've instilled throughout the program. And it's become kind of a galvanizing force for you and your program's culture. So can you share with our audience the story of how this mantra came to be and what it means and looks like within your program? Well, first of all, when, when I took the job as DC and uh, was given the charge uh, from Kevin Wilson to be the head coach of the defense and to change the culture on that side of the football, in my very first meeting with our defense, I wrote those three letters on the board, L-E-O. And I asked, asked the team, and it was just the defense only. And as a matter of fact, it was defense and, and the specialists because they always kind of met with us. And so... Uh, Nobody knew what those three letters stood for. And I said, I, don't, I didn't expect you to. I said, they stand for love each other. And it was like, it was crickets. It was, it was they, I guarantee you, they were like, okay, what does that got to do with football? You know? And so, and I, and I knew that I would, I expected that response. And so I said, fellows, I said, you know what? I know you don't know what this means yet. And, but you're going to learn uh, that this will be the difference. This is going to allow us to transform our defense because it's about relationships. And, and they didn't understand all that at the time. I didn't get into the details of it all. But what I did say to them, I said, after I think about those three words, loving each other, um, what it means to me is I want a defense. I want a group of players and coaches that don't care who gets the credit because it's not about them. And, and obviously that implies a selfless, a sacrificial, a team focused group a team focused mindset that, man, I'm going to do what I can to help the guy beside me be successful. Because what I told them, and this is true, I said to the, to the guys in that room, I said, fellas, when you buy into this, the LEO uh, mindset of how we're going to build this defense, I said, our defense will play well. And when our defense plays well, the individuals will get recognized. And that's what happens. And I, then when I became the head coach, uh, and, and that's what happened on defense. And so and the LEO started even at that point, even though I wasn't even the head coach, it started growing on our on that side of the ball. And our defense just started doing this. I mean, from the very first game, we, we scored two defensive touchdowns and got a safety in, in, in our very first game as DC. And because it was all about takeaways, tackling effort, that was a football side of it. But it was a group of guys that had started to learn what it meant to play for each other. And that's what all the LEO is. And, and so, but... What I did next, after I met with those guys and put that on the board as the DC, I met with them all individually. And that's where the relationship building began. And so that's why LEO has become so big on our team now because it's relationships and it's connecting from my heart to your heart. And, and it's not capturing the hearts and minds of your players. That's at, the, that's at the core of what LEO is all about. And that does not happen overnight. That takes time. And so I just started that process of meeting with those guys one-on-one -on -one, writing down everything about their families their parents names their brothers or sisters whoever they lived with whoever they were close to what their goals are what their major was you know then I would get to the end and say okay give me the three most important things in your life and I'd write those things that tells me a lot about you as a person when you tell me the three most important things in your life and then I finished by saying this 
Guys, why do you think we are where we are? We were the 127th ranked defense in the country in pass defense. And there was only 127 teams at the time. Okay. I believe we were right. We were 121 or 122 in total defense at the time. So we were at the bottom of the country and we were at the very bottom of the big 10 in almost every category. So we were really bad on defense statistically for sure. And so I asked, I said, how do, why do you think we're, and I tell you what, over this, every, it just found, it became an issue of trust. Okay. And you think about when you talk about relationships, what's the foundational component of any great relationship? It's trust. They had lost that. They had lost trust in the scheme. They had lost trust in the coaches. They had lost trust in each other. And ultimately, they lost trust in themselves. And then when you do that, you get in survival mode and you make it all about yourself. So it's the opposite of LEO. And, and you think about this. I've, I've coached at 11 schools in my whole coaching in 28 years. And eight of those 11 schools I've coached at had losing seasons the year before we got there. So it's been this kind of from high school all the way to here. And, and, and so I've had a, you know, an unusual opportunity to, to be able to learn how to create change in the mind and create change in the body. And ultimately you get a change on the field, you know? And so that to me is, was the beginning of that. So to me, what LEO is, it's relationships and it's a strong bond that is built. And so now I've been here for six years and, and I know all these players and I know their families and I've sat in their living rooms and I know, and, and there's a strong level of trust. There's a strong level of, you know, individual investment in these guys. And they really believe that I love them more as a person than as a player. And I can't just say that. I got to prove it every day. And that's Elio. Now, Coach, you've been at the forefront of leadership development since the very beginning of your time in Indiana. What are some of the ways that now – so you, you kind of just touched on how you develop the relationship and the trust with your players. How do you develop and empower them now to lead your program when you're talking to two guys from southern Minnesota and, and they're in control of the team? No doubt. So here's, here's how we did it. So um, there's three pillars to our program, accountability, toughness, and love. And the key one is number one, all right? That's accountability. And that's where the leadership development comes in. So when we got here, what we had to do initially was we had to create a, a culture and an environment of accountability. And so you had to raise the standards of what your expectations are. And then you hold your players to those standards. That's accountability piece, okay? And step level one of that is the coaches holding the players to a high level of accountability, okay? That's ground level beginning, all right? And we started a leadership council, all right? And we've got a lot of guys, we, by design, I've got 26 guys. We've got 26 guys on that council. We got all positions represented, all classes represented. I want, and some of the guys are strong leaders. Some guys need to be developed as leaders. I run those meetings and it's a very intentional process of showing them how to lead. I use John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That's the book I use. I'm a big reader. I'm a big book guy. I believe this. We're part of the books we read, the music we listen to, and who we hang out with. It's what you fill your mind with. It's who you associate with. That's who you become. And it's no different as an adult. It's no different for, for a teenager. No different for a 20-year-old, whatever. And so I want our guys. So books are a big part of how I get ideas and how I lead. So we use that book and go through the different laws and different principles and teach them how to lead. Well, here was the, the next step. Okay, First step was accountability from coach to player. The second step we had to get to was the players had to take ownership of their own personal accountability. They had to own themselves. And the way I phrase that is, man, the buck stops here. I got a matter of fact, on my desk right here, I've got this little thing sits right there. And when a kid sits with me one-on-one, -on -one, I point right to it. And we talk about it all the time, all right? 
that's taking ownership of you. That's your past, that's the good, that's the bad, that's whatever. It's your choices, it's your decisions, because who makes those decisions? You do. And you got to own the consequences for those choices. And so we had to get to that level where the guys took ownership of themselves. So when I got here, I felt like there was, we had guys late for this, late for it. It was just a, it just wasn't the way it needed to be. I knew that. And we had to make immediate change. So that was level two. Level three, and I thought this started happening in 2019 when we actually did breakthrough on the field and start seeing the wins come. That's when the players started taking accountability and responsibility for each other. They, hard, they started holding each other accountable. And this is what I challenged our leadership council with that very year. I came to the conclusion that leadership by example for that group was not leadership. That was just doing your job. And I challenged those guys. I said, men, you have to hold your teammates accountable because that's not very comfortable. That's hard to do. That's hard for a high school kid to do. I've coached high school football for 15 years. But you know what? We did a lot of these same things at that level. Okay, you had to empower them. You had to give them the, the tools and you have to give them the confidence and you have to give them your support to say, I'm giving you the authority to confront your teammate when he doesn't do things the right way. Okay, but leadership by example, yes, that's base level. Because if you're not on time, if you're not working your tail off, if you're not doing things right yourself, you have no right to speak. Okay, so yes, lead by example first. Okay, but that cannot be the end. If you say, well, coach, you know, it's just not my personality. I don't, oh no, then you can't lead. I, I, I tell our team this, how would it work if I never spoke as the leader of this team? That's well, ludicrous, okay? It would, it would be, it never worked, okay? Well, it's no different for you guys. I said, because we're only as good as the leadership of our football team. So when those, our players started figuring that out and that kind of, I even had guys after, after that meeting came to me and said, coach, that, that really hit home with me. Cause they're like, we've had some great leaders here as far as, as you know, they're great people. And some guys went and played in the NFL, but they never said anything. They never held, they never got onto each other. They, they, they might encourage each other, but they never challenged nor corrected nor held accountable. Those are hard things to do. So. That to me, and you got to just, you got to have a plan for that. You got to be purposeful in your character development. And that's how we do that here as well. And purposeful in your leadership development in your program. Well, Coach, another part of the maintenance of the leadership of your program has been the use of one word uh, culture sayings that you have instilled in your program. And so what have been some of those one word slogans that you've used with your team through your tenure? And how do you come about with those one words each and every year? Well, those one words have become a very big part of our culture. And one thing, it goes back to books. And so this is a book that, that I use. I got it from, I, I got it from John Gordon, uh, Dan Britton and Jimmy Page. They wrote a book called One Word. I read it years ago. I started doing it with my own family, my, my wife, our children. We've all picked one words for years. And uh, so that's where I started. And then I transferred that to our team. I started doing it as a position coach years ago. And, and then when I became the head coach here at Indiana, it became a part of our culture. We have a one word wall downstairs outside of our, our uh, weight room with every player's one word on it. Every player picks a one word for the year. And here's why this is so huge, because it gives us laser focus to something very intentional about what you want as a player to be your focus for 2021, 2020, 2019. And so I pick a one word that I feel like is best suited for our entire team. I pray about it. I invest in it. I study. I've come up with it. And I'm like, okay, this is the word we need. So in 2017, our one word was breakthrough. Okay. 2018, our one word was finish. Okay. Those were things I felt like at that time we were trying to create in our team. We didn't finish very well in 2017. We were really close and we didn't finish. That began 2019 was grit. 
which is perseverance and passion towards a one word or a long-term goal. And, and I always have a book that I use with our staff for that one word for the whole year. But the biggest thing is, is that it's a personally chosen word that I feel like is best for our team and for that year ahead. And each player has their one word. And, and our guys, and they put their one word out on social media, they, they, uh, uh, they'll, they'll hyperlink either a verse to it or, a, or a, a, a song or a quote or whatever they want. That's up to them. That's their decision. And they, and they pick. But here's the thing, though. I always want to know why. I tell them why I picked our one word. I'm going to talk about our one word here before this is over, which for 2021 is the word chase. Our one word for 2020 was relentless. And I picked that before the pandemic ever hit. Had no clue a pandemic was about to happen. But what an amazing one word for that year. The 2019 one word crit, like I mentioned, which is an amazing word. And here's the thing about these one words. They don't just disappear. They become ingrained in the culture of our programs. We talk about those one words from, and we got, we have a one word uh, a stick that we give out every single game. It's the LEO award for that game. And, and it has the, the, the theme on the one side of it. It has the one word on the back of it. It has you know uh, LEO on there. It has every time we went, we, we win. It has that, that little, the decal that team we beat on that stick. And that we, we have a wall that was just used for that in our, in our facility here. LEO is on every one of our helmets. LEO is on their lockers. So this has become a big part of this. And the one words are all infiltrated into that in that concept. So to, to, to answer your question, uh, we, we picked these words for uh, the, the, the intention of creating purpose and meaning into a certain season, into a certain year. And so the players, it's amazing. They've now gotten into this. And so they picked their one word for the year. And I give them about two week period to do it in. And then they have to post it on social media and I retweet it when they do. And then throughout the year, we have them at different times. They have to stand up and tell the whole team why they picked their one word. And then during the season, I will use somebody's one word to be our theme for the week of every single game for all 12 regular season games and into the, the postseason. And so they are not just, you know, use one time. That's why I think it's part of it is you, you make them, you, you create value for them because you talk about them and they become an important thing. And the guys start to realize, especially these young guys coming here, hey, this, this is a big deal. And I'm going to take some time. To, this, this matters. And I'm going to flippantly pick a word. Every time I hire a staff member, I give them the one word book. They got to read the book and then they got to pick their one word. And so once again, it's the cultural part of our program. And the one word for 2021 is chase. And I said, oh, I'm a, I love that one. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. Now, Coach, now that your team has had back-to-back -back seasons of, of positive growth from a win-loss standpoint, what's the next step in your program's progression? And how do you go about accomplishing that? Well, that's a great question. You know, I've been asked that many, many times. You know, we had the 2020 season uh, unfolded as it did. We finished 6-1 and one in the Big Ten, which is the second best record in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, we finished behind Ohio State in the East. They played uh, Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game there in Indianapolis. And so um, I really believe this. You know, we, we've uh, had a chance to, you know, really break through in 2019, build off of that in 2020, and, uh, you know, my goal, our goal, what we talked about as a football team is, you know, we finished second in, in the East. Our goal is to win the East and win the Big Ten. You know, that's that's the goal. And so to me, uh, that's not going to be something we're going to shy away from. You know, when I first took over here, we talked about changing uh, the mindset of this program, which to me, we had to create okay, a belief. We had to change the expectations because I believe that your expectations and your beliefs are driven by your mindset. Okay, so it's all about your mind. As a man thinks, so is he. That's why I talk about so critical what you fill your mind with. Okay. And so to me, it's about 
taking this bar that we've raised and taking it up another notch. And so to me, it's win the Big Ten. And people can agree with me on that. They can, I really don't care. So the bottom line is, is what do we believe? And how are we going to prepare and how are we going to play on game day? And so that leads me to say why I picked Chase as our 2021 one word. Okay, and here's why. Here's the definition for Chase. It's an earnest or frenzied seeking after something. All right. And so that's the word I picked. All right. Because I wanted to see this team chase greatness in 2021. I wanted to see this team chase after a Big Ten championship, which we haven't won in over 50 years. Okay. That's a long time. I wasn't even born then. Right. And so our players obviously weren't even born then. Okay. So we're going to chase after that every single day. So here's what I did. Okay. That broke that definition down. When you look at that word, it says a, an earnest or frenzied seeking after something. That's what chase means. All right. Okay. Earnest is an intense conviction. Right, those are pretty powerful words there. And then frenzied is a fiery, passionate pursuit for something. So we're not just talking about going in the, and when you're a kid, you're chasing your friends or you're playing tag in the back. No, no, no. We're talking about a starving lion chasing after its prey. That's the mindset. That's the mental picture. When I met with our players one-on-one, we came back from the bowl game. That's what we talked about. And so I tell they had to come up with nine things, three personal, three academically, and three physically, which is the football side of it, of how they're going to chase greatness in their life every single day. And we wrote all nine things down, three, three for each. I'm big. I think you teach in three. It's a manageable unit, but it's multiple. Okay. And so each one of our players was chasing great. And then now we got, I got all written down. It's on my computer. I keep track of it. I talk to our players about it, send text messages about it, reminding them, are they staying true to their goals of chasing greatness in 2021? So once again, that's, so that allows us to elevate our preparation right now in this time of the year and chase after something that hasn't happened in Indiana for a long, long time. That's the next step for the Hoosiers. Well, Coach, as we kind of wrap things up here today, uh, I'm going to end with this question for you. If you had to go back in time and give yourself advice as a younger coach, so this is current Tom Allen talking to younger Tom Allen, what would be the one piece of advice you would give yourself as a younger coach? Well, Brian, I would say this, you know, uh, as you look back, and you know, this is going into my 29th year of coaching, Uh, I've got a a quote that hangs in my home office that says this, uh, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt, whatever situation you believe to be the will of God. So to me, that's about wherever you are in your career. You know, I was a young coach trying to, you know, chase after, you know, a a bigger opportunity or this or that or a promotion. And in terms of responsibility, going from position coach to a coordinator to a head coach and all those different things, it doesn't matter where you are and don't get caught up in trying to get the next job. Okay. Be great where you are, be excellent where you are. And how about this? So I've interviewed for six or no, I've interviewed for three jobs to be a head coach and never got one of them. Okay. The three times I got named head coach, I never even interviewed. They came to me and said, you're going to be the next head coach. It's happened twice in high school and happened here in Indiana. And so the lesson either, either I'm a terrible interviewer. Okay. Or the lesson is, you know what, just be great where you are, you know, just pour your heart into those kids and dive into their lives and love them, care about them. Let them know by your actions that you truly care more about them as a person than as a player. That's LEO, okay? And then I believe the other kind of stuff takes care of itself, the promotions and the opportunities and, and all those different things. And I, I think that's a big deal. And I think the last thing is, is man, just, just appreciate what you got. 
you know, it's so easy to always look at somebody else and say, hey, the, the grass is not greener. I, it is not. I've been enough places. I've coached enough, lived enough, you know, areas of the country, enough schools, different levels. You know, it's not. There, every place has challenges. Everything has pros and cons to it. Everything has challenges, difficulties. So, man, just, you know, Frosty Weathering has that book called Make the Big Time Where You Are, you know, talking about making a small college job, you know, a, a, a high level job for you because that's where you've been planning to impact those lives. And so, and that scoreboard can't be your definition for success. It's got to be the impact in the lives of the young men or young women that you're coaching.